0: Hello, everybody. This is Tandem Coaching Academy's Keeping Agile, Non-Denominational Podcast, and we are your hosts today, Shuri Silas and I, Alex Grunov. And we have Claire Patrick joining us today. She is an ICF MCC, and she is a a founder and managing partner at 3D Coaching. Hi, Claire. How are you? Hi. So... uh, You are probably very good at introducing yourself and you'll do a better job than I would ever do.
1: Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I could say all sorts of things about myself and whatever I say, you'll assign me power or not. (laughs) So actually, first and foremost, I want to say I'm a human being. (laughs) I'm a normal person who just happens to have conversations with people. I am an MCC. uh, When I stopped counting my coaching hours in 2012, I had 11,000, but I gave up because it was hard work. (laughs) So I've got a lot of hours. Uh, And my passion, I guess, is to really help coaches be amazing. Uh, And I was mentoring somebody yesterday who's an aspiring MCC, and she said, (laughs) These competencies are overwhelming me. And I said, well, let's just go through them, shall we? And I went, well, that's about partnership. That's about being normal. That's about not saying very much. Yeah. So I, I think I, it, it is my life's mission now to go, we just need to do a bit less and we need to enable other people to be great. Uh, and that's what I do in my coaching business. So I work globally. Uh, And a lot of what I do is developing coaches to be better coaches. I also do some coaching and coaching supervision and train coaches globally. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of me.
0: All right. Well, really good to have you here. And uh, we know you just published a book, Simplifying Coaching. And it sounds like a very loaded title. It sounds like coaching needs to be simplified.
1: Oh, it so does. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it so does let me tell you about my because it's so funny so it's called simplify simplifying coaching and uh they've just printed the second edition because it sold really quickly and i was out for a walk last week with a friend and she said why have you chosen to spell simplifying wrong and i said i haven't chosen to spell simplifying wrong and she said but you have and i'm going no haven't so we're out for a walk, socially distanced. I've got Amazon on my phone and I'm going, look, it's spelt right. And she's going, I'm sure it isn't. So when she got home, she sent me a photograph of the spine. And on the spine of the book, they've spelt simplifying wrong. Oh, no. <sighs> and I, I love it. I love it. I told the publishers, and now I need to go back to them and say, don't change it. I love it because it's not perfect. And I think that we get into this strange aspiration that we can do the most marvelous, perfect coaching. And actually, great coaching is actually saying, what's the least that I need to do in service of somebody else having new insights about their own stuff. And I think we're just, I think because coaching is an industry and because you can make a lot of money from a a tool or a technique, I think it's just lost its way a bit. And I think we need to get back to the bare bones, which it, it's one person facilitating the thinking of somebody else. And that's all it is. So this is my kind of life's work now.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And it also sounds like the path to mastering kind of goes through simplifying stuff and actually working less, which is kind of weird. Shouldn't masters work more and kind of work hard and be all those kind of gods on the hill and know everything?
1: Please, no. (laughs) Because it's about who needs to be amazing. They, the person we're working with needs to be amazing. So for me, the path to mastery is about being more courageous, being braver, saying what we see earlier and letting them do most of the work and absolutely noticing when transformation happens and i think one of the real issues about coaching is that if i've decided that i'm going to use a technique with you there are now three of us in the conversation you me and the technique and i've got one eye on the technique just just see how it's going to fit in and then, and then you have a moment of transformation and I don't see it because I'm too busy working out how to get the technique in. So I think we don't see. So transformation happens a lot in conversations and I think we miss it.
2: Yeah, I would agree. You know, as I, as I listen to you say that, I think about coaches that I've trained and they always get into this space of, I can't figure out what to do. There's so many competencies. I don't know what to do. And they're so focused on the competencies that they can't coach. And I just tell them, you know the competencies. Let's throw that to the side. Forget about it. Don't think about it again. Listen to your client. And so um, I'm wondering, what are some of the things that you help um, newer coaches understand about this ability to to help people transform by actually doing
1: less work? So I think it's about, um, I think it's about creating a container for the conversation. So one of the things I love about the ICF competencies is, is that, that that early competency, which is um, establishing or maintaining a coaching agreement actually is about creating a container for the conversation. And the thing about containers is that in science, if you want transformation to happen, you put a whole load of stuff in a container and apply a catalyst. Or maybe an easier metaphor is baking. So if you're a baker or a cake maker, you put all the ingredients for the cake in a a container. You mix them up, you apply heat, and the thing changes form. And the thing about a cake is you can't unmake a cake. (laughs) can you? You can't make it back into eggs and sugar and all those things. It's become something new and something different. And and if you think about the ICF structure as a container with boundaries, with a beginning, a middle and an end, then actually it makes the coaching much easier to manage because you just think we need to do the beginning. Now we need to do the middle. Now we need to do the end. And I think the thing I love about the ICF is quite how obsessed of competencies are about working in partnership. And of all the global um, professional bodies that I've looked at, the ICF is the only one that talks about partnership. But unless we're working in partnership, we're doing too much work. So let's work in partnership, I think.
0: So and that's absolutely fascinating metaphor with container. And what's coming up for me, so I put all these ingredients in there, I put that in the oven, and I set the temperature, and the damn thing just blew up. So, what do you see coaches do to make that thing go and blow up in their face and in the face of their clients?
1: I think we put too much in. I think, I think we think that added value is doing more and knowing more and adding more. And actually added value is about getting them to do more and notice more. I think we work too hard and I think that's what makes it blow up. And I also think we make it about us. Oh my goodness, we're nearly at the end of the session and we haven't had transformation. I must do something now. <laughs> And it doesn't work in deep in the, in the ICF words around mastery, which I so hope stay there when they go into the new competencies, it says the coach trusts the process more than they trust themselves. And that my friends is the answer to mastery. Mm. I think. Yeah. I love that line. Yeah.
2: Trust the process, trust the client. They know what they need. So I hear you talking a lot about transformation. And um, so transformation versus what? Transaction, I would
1: say, Sheree. So there's something about, so transformation is going back to the cake is something that you can't unmake. So it's about people having new insights into their own stuff. And I think often in coaching, what we do is we turn it into a date. So we ask people a lot of information about themselves. Now I know a lot about you, but you don't know anything you didn't know before. (laughs) So, and now you think that coaching is a date. So next time we meet, it will be really hard to change the dynamic of that and get you to do some work. So I think transformation is is about people having insights. And, and we need to do less for that to
2: happen. Mm. So do less so that people can get more, more, yeah. more transformation. Yeah. And I, I get that. And I, it would be helpful for me to understand what does that look like in practice? So I, I know you're not saying the client comes in and I just sit there and say, you, you talk and then you can pay, no. me and we're all done. So what's what's it look like? So it looks like lots of things.
1: And I think one of the biggest things is that to see what it looks like, we need to move our focus from the coach to the think to what I would call the thinker. So I have a bit of an aversion to, to words that don't describe partnership. So I personally don't call the people we work with clients or coachees it makes it feel as though I have more power than them and I don't so because there's an equality in the process so I think it's about often I think aspiring coaches and coaches on the journey to becoming better try and seek out other coaches that they can watch coach so they watch somebody coaching and they go oh that's amazing I need to integrate some of that into my coaching but I think we're looking in the wrong place Because I think if we want to do really transformational coaching, we need to start watching thinkers think and beginning to really notice when they are processing and getting new insights and when they're not, so that when we're the coach, we can really, really, really respond to what we see. So what that might look like is it might be that you are asking the best question in the world and you're three words in, to this amazing question and the person who's thinking kind of goes, oh, at that moment, they're ready to run with your question and you need to stop talking. Yes, Because the only thing that's being achieved by you completing the question is your desire to prove that it's a very good question. Because actually the first three words were amazing. So, so one of the things that I love about this virtual world where most of us are engaging on screen most of the time is that you get a much better view of the impact the thing you says has on somebody else. And you can really see in a second if they go, ooh. And I want to say, if you want to become a great coach, watch people go, ooh, and then stop talking.
0: It's amazing. So uh, to expand a little bit on the on these amazing questions. And uh, we've been fighting this idea that coaching is only about asking great questions and especially in agile world where powerful questions are the king. If you have this competency to ask powerful questions, you're an amazing coach. And so what what I'm hearing you're saying that it kind of goes a little bit, kind of contradict that idea. And I also saw a lot of our students and a lot of people kind of collecting long lists of great questions they can ask and they can go just like, oh, this is the question I need to ask. What's your take on those lists?
1: Unless we see the person who's thinking as a fully equal partner in this conversation, we're actually saying that we don't trust them. So here is my, imagine this is my useful question box. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So so there's you and me and my useful question box. So I go to my two thousand great questions i have so i ask a question of you alex and while you're answering it i'm going in my head now where was that other great question <laughs> and now oh you got it you don't need me to finish it off mm-hmm. would you like me to, finish? to do
0: so please okay
1: do. so to finish that off What that means is that I am paying attention to looking for the next question and not paying attention to what's happening in you. And two things are happening. One is transformation may be happening and I'll miss it. But more significantly, when I come back with my great question, when I have accessed it from my very good resource, it's probably missed its moment. So it might have been an amazing question when it came in. But you've moved on and now instead of being in partnership we're out of sync because i'm on a different track with my question from the one that you're on Mm -hmm. and if you're having transformation on yours why would i change you onto another track
0: And so it's interesting, Uh, we started doing these podcasts just recently, and I told Sheree the other day how different it is from coaching, because I hear all these fascinating ideas that you or other guests give us, and I want to go after each and every of those.
1: Please don't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, And the thing is, like, in podcasts, I can because it's about our listeners and it's about also my curiosity. That's probably different from coaching. And in coaching, you hear a lot of these things and you're like, I need to ask this, 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 this. How do you go and balance all that?
1: So my definition of coaching is that it's, a, well, I have many, but they're all a bit simple. But one of them is it's a conversation where someone feels heard and gets new insights into their own stuff. So in the progress principle by Amarbele and Kramer, they say that any progress is progress. So I think we have a fantasy that we need to cover off all the things that have come up. But actually Amarbele and Kramer's research says that if people start moving forward, they keep moving forward. So it's not all our responsibility. The great thing about coaching is it's about somebody, it's about getting some movement, I think. And there is all that other stuff about accountability and everything else, but it's actually about them getting some movement. And I think we take too much responsibility for the thing. And we talk the language of empowerment. I want to be a coach because I want to empower people. But then when I do too much work, what I'm actually doing is I'm taking their power away from them, which is actually the opposite of what I say I'm trying to do. So it's
2: tricky. Tricky it is. So, um, you know what else I think sometimes we find tricky is how do we ask questions that are responsive to what the client is saying rather than digging in our little bag and finding the great questions?
1: I would say abandon the need for grammar. Hmm. Talk more about that. So great questions come from what we see or hear, or sense. So I would say that the best questions are often to say what you see. So I'm doing a brand new training programme with a whole bunch of people in public health. And uh, today something went wrong and one of them ended up not in the breakout room and she ended up with me in the lobby. So I said to her, well, why don't you coach me? And she's "Ah!" (laughs) gone. And I'm going, well, it's nothing special, you know?
0: Just... Oh, come on. You're at the MCC. You are supposed to coach, not all the way around.
1: So she coached me. Okay. Uh, and she was really good. Now, part of it was fear that she didn't know what to say. So her not saying anything really gave me some insights because I did some work <laughs> myself. But we were about halfway through, and she said, it feels like a catch 22. And immediately I had this massive response in myself. Well, I'm not going to let it be like a catch-22. So what am I going to do about it? And in that question, it feels like a catch-22 that set me off on a path that gave me a really good new insight because all she did was say what she sensed. So the best questions, so questions come from four places, I think. What we see, what we hear, what we sense and what we read in a very good book or saw somebody else do. And if we can really get back to saying what we see or hear or sense, but without it needing to make sense. So I think some of the best questions are totally unrepeatable. So yesterday in a training session, again, really early on in their coaching, like five or six hours into coaching, they're drawing one of them's drawing their situation to give them some new insights. And she said, she said to to her colleague, something like it doesn't make sense. And her colleague said, what, what came before that picture, which was totally based on what they saw in the room. They came back to the group afterwards. There were tears. It's changed my life. (laughs) And what she'd said was she'd, she'd asked a question based on what she saw in the moment. That question can never probably be used anywhere else. And that's what makes a great question because it's the right question in the moment, in that time and in that place and in that conversation, but is probably not usable elsewhere, which is really annoying because we have to lose some amazing questions. But, you know,
0: <laughs>
1: another one will come. Well,
0: otherwise, you need to throw away your basket.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you do. I think you do need to throw away your basket. There are some structural questions like it, in the ICF, the, maintain, the establishing, establishing and maintaining agreements. You know, the what are we doing today? How are we going to do it? How are we going to know we've done it? How are we getting on? Is this useful? What else do we need to do? So questions about what are we doing together? are useful and you will use them more than, you'll use them a lot. But the actual questions about the content need to be, I think, specific in the moment for the person. Otherwise, we're
2: just not quite in harmony. Yeah. So I know, Claire, that in the the coaching work you do, you tend to be really concise in your your work, in your sessions. And what I'm sensing is that the conciseness around the coaching agreement, let's just get in there, figure those things out. Here's the two or three questions. It's really about let's get that kind of out of the way so we can get into the bigger transformational piece. Am I reading that correctly? I think it's about
1: about getting to the heart of the matter before you start diving in so if you don't do that you might fall over the heart of the matter in the middle but if you don't ask somebody at the beginning what that is and they know then you've been exploring without boundaries for no reason so sometimes I'll say to somebody so what would you like to to bring what would you like to think about today and they go I don't know and I say so how will you know at the end of this session it's been useful? And they go, I don't know. And I say, what's the best way of doing the work? And they go, I don't know. And then I say, where should we start then? And they go, I don't know. This is great. Because now we know that we don't know what we're doing. And we have agreed that between us and that's partnership. But often coaches behave as though we don't know what we're doing. But we never actually asked them what
2: they wanted to do at the beginning. So I'm now really fascinated with your example of we don't know what we're talking about, um, we don't know how to get started and and then what? I'd, I'd love to hear how you handle that. Well usually
1: there's some stuff going on when that's true <laughs> So I might say to the person, why don't you just download what's going on and then we'll work out what we need to do today. And mm-hmm. that download might take five minutes, it might take half an hour. But what I will not do is I will not I will not, coach or dive into their stuff until we're clear what's going on and what we need to actually work on today. So I think often what happens is that coaches dive in to the stuff before we've agreed what we're doing. And the biggest risk in coaching is that people answer the questions they are asked. So you and I are having a coaching conversation, Sherry, for example, and you say, "Uh, it's really difficult here in lockdown. That's the conversation in the UK we are having all the time. (laughs) You might not be in lockdown, but it might be about the election <laughs> or whatever, and then I start asking you questions about that. But that might not be the thing that you wanted coaching on today, and it might not be the thing that's the most important. But I've dived in, and if I dive in, you'll follow me. So I think the skill is to be is to, is to be clear what's the work before we start doing the deeper work. Because I think otherwise we accidentally lead. And I think as coaches, we accidentally lead a a lot. And actually a great stance for coaching is to be slightly behind them so that they're leading.
0: Hmm. So that's interesting. How do you match that with coaching being a partnership?
1: It is a partnership, but often the, so it's a dance, I think. So in a date, I say, to you say to me, Alex, tell me all about you. And I go, this is my life. I'm telling you all about me. Now tell me all about you. And that, that's a date. So in a dance, you keep changing the dance, but you check in with each other all the time that that's the dance that you want to do. So, so you have in the UK, we have strictly come dancing in the US. I think, you have, is it dancing with the stars you have, where you have a, where you have a celebrity and a, and a professional dancer and the people who win are completely in harmony and they change the dance and they go with it. And so when they do the winning dance at the end, or when they do the going home dance, you know, everybody claps them and then and then they do a little dance. But then, even though they haven't practiced it, they actually know how to be together and to do something that's beautiful. But at the beginning, they keep standing on each other's feet. And one of them's trying to do something and somebody else is trying to do something else. And that's often, I think, what coaching can look like. And that's not our intention. It needs to be really fluid. And I would say that if you know what you're doing in coaching... You're not coaching. That's good. Because the point is that we don't know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And so, Claire, I, I hear you using a lot of metaphor. And it brings the question up in me of how do you actually use metaphor in these conversations with clients is that is that something that comes up
1: well the great thing about not having a lot of questions in your bucket is that you can really notice so some people will bring metaphor up so they will use a metaphor or they'll use something physical so they'll say it's it's big using their hands to express how big it is so if they use metaphor then i'll follow it Sometimes I say it sounds like, or it feels like. So that lady said to me today, it sounds like a catch 22. But sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes metaphor doesn't work for somebody and they just won't pick it up and then you just leave it. (laughs) So it feels like a box of chocolates and they go, yeah. (laughs) So often they'll pick it up actually. If, as I'm saying that, I realise. So I say to somebody, it feels like a box of chocolates. And then they go, yes, and it's got a ribbon and it's got this kind and that kind. So often they'll pick it up. So I think the skill is not to make them do metaphor in the same way that it's actually not to make them do anything, but to offer. So every question I would say is like an offer rather than a tell. So it feels like a box of chocolates. No. Oh yes, and so then they pick it up and run with it.
0: Mm-hmm. And it sounds like uh all these skills and using metaphors and uh using kind of these type of questions that when you offer it rather than telling and rather than imposing your observations, intuitions, whatever else there. Uh, It does require trust, but I want to look at trust from a little bit different perspective, not kind of trust, kind of uh, building trust and intimacy in terms of the competency. Uh, What we deal a lot with in agile world is that uh, agile coaches are more consultants than coaches. And uh, it's only kind of recently we started realizing that professional coaching skills and these kind of stepping back and letting team figuring out themselves and actually trusting the process and trusting the teams are much more efficient than telling them what to do. So, and we have a lot of clients that are coming from that consulting background and they are, they really have hard time letting go of knowing and letting go of not trusting the team to do the right thing because sometimes they are in in a responsibility kind of bind i'm responsible for this outcome so how do you go about building this trust to your client building this trust to the team
1: well there's something about building trust to the team and there's also something i think about timing Hmm. so if the team want you to give them the answer they can feel if you want to give them the answer. And, so, and you could go through the process, but they know you wanna give it to them and you know they want it and that's really tricky. So I think there's something about timing. So we had a really interesting journey. So I was working with head teachers and these head teachers are mentoring, uh, aspiring head teachers. And um, what was happening was the aspiring head teacher was saying, tell me how to do it, tell me how to do it. So the head was just telling them, but they were giving them too much information and not really answering the question. So I think this thing that we talked about earlier about the coaching container, that container is useful for any relationship. And I think the real question in consulting is how much information you give, when you give it and how quickly you give it. So Peter Levine, who's done a lot of work on trauma, says that trauma is too much, too fast, too soon. And I think that in in hybrid engagements, so coaching and consulting, often the consultant will give too much information too quickly and too early. So the real thing is if 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 it is going to be useful to offer something it's really important to be very clear what their question is so you're giving you're actually giving the the right amount of information at the right time because otherwise consulting can feel like a tsunami and we might really like it at the time but we can't do anything with it because it came too much too quickly and too early and then it's gone So there's something about if you're going to to drop in information, it's about dropping like it comes out of a watering can. In the UK, is that what you call it in the States, a watering can, a thing that you use to water the garden? Yeah. So so it comes out gently, like out of a watering can, then like a tsunami or a fire hose. So I so I would say that when we stopped saying to people you mustn't put anything in and said it's actually about timing, then they started not putting anything in. Because they would wait until the right time
2: and then the people didn't need it. <laughs> I love that one. When I hear you talk about consulting, it also um, tells me that often consultants, it's about them. They're doing, they're giving what they want to give and what they have a need to give rather than what the client actually yeah. receive.
1: yeah and that's about selling isn't it selling my idea
2: mm-hmm.
1: but actually it's about not giving the answer till you're really clear what the question
2: is I think yeah so as in whether we're in coaching or consulting you talked about this information this overload like yeah. almost like people can drown And so I'm wondering when we're doing transformational coaching, sometimes that can go really deep and the client can kind of feel like they're drowning. They can only take so much before it's just too much. So what's your um, take on how you handle that? Well, that's a really good question.
1: So I once did a whole day's coaching with somebody that was transformational coaching and it took both of us forever to recover it was awful because actually it was awful I had a headache for a week it was terrible because actually you because it was too much it was just too much so so you can only take a certain amount of revelation can't you yes So I would say, I often finish sessions early if somebody's had a piece of transformation. There's something about giving them permission that they don't have to stay. So I remember years ago, I did a two hour um, career transformation conversation with somebody. And I can't even remember what we were talking about, except I remember after 20 minutes, he went, that's blown my mind. And I said, what do we need to do now? And he said, I don't know, which I receive as that's probably enough, but I don't think I can leave. So I, so I said, look, we can carry on if that's useful, but I wonder whether the most useful thing for you to do is to go away and live with that insight. And he went, can I do that? And I went, yes, because it's your time. You're the customer. Of course you can go.
0: It was not changed or something.
1: So, so I, I said, do you know where you're going to go? And he said, I need to go and be on my own. And I said, there's a Starbucks up the road. If it's useful, there's pens and paper here, take them with you. And, and he texted me later and said, it changed his life. And we never had another session because we didn't need one. <laughs> so so I, think, I think there is something when we're doing transformational coaching to actually recognize that when somebody's had a major insight you're not still in the co- in the coaching agreement you had at the beginning of the session you're in another chapter or another book and actually the most the, the most generous thing at that moment is to say we can carry on if you want to but actually if it's useful we can stop and you can just live with that insight yeah. it's amazing yeah
0: So if I may turn it a little bit around and um, that's for a customer. So that's for a thinker um, to kind of take in a little bit of insight and then go and do what they need to do with that. Uh, From a coach's perspective, especially kind of aspiring coaches who just start on this journey, um, what I see a lot, people just start drinking from this fire hose of sacred knowledge reading hundreds of books, going to non-stop or even like to parallel classes, learning about systems coaching and individual coaching and clean language and whatever not. How do you talk to these coaches uh, about balance? What's most useful for them?
1: So (laughs) I can remember a long time ago uh, getting a call from an insurance company and the the head of learning and development wanted to make sure that their coaching program was compliant that's interesting isn't it insurance company is our coaching compliant so what she'd done was she had done a supermarket sweep of amazon and got 20 coaching books that she'd read and by and now she's in complete state of panic because if you read coaching books one of them says drive on the left one of them says drive on the right One of them says, you must do this. One of them says, you must do something else. One of them says, you must do something They're all, and it's just all this stuff. So we need to go, I said this to my colleague last week. She said we should have deleted it off the podcast, but I'm going to say it. We need to go into the coaching room naked. We are, not literally.
0: We're not not deleting this, that's for sure.
1: We are expecting the person that we are working with to be vulnerable and explore deep stuff. We are needing to go into not knowing space. We need to go in with nothing in our pocket. And, And the development that we need to do as coaches is about what do we need to do to develop presence that allows us to do that? Because it's all very well going in with tools and techniques and sometimes tools and techniques are good sometimes, but you have to believe that the person who is with you is your number one tool. Because otherwise we're talking that, we're, we're, we're pretending we're magicians. Somebody said to me the other day, you must, um, you must get somebody to tell their whole story before you coach them. Because as they tell their whole story, you can begin to analyze. Analyze this and this and the other. And I'm going, you're not trained to be an analyst. You're trained to be a coach. You're trained to facilitate the thinking of somebody else. So what's the least you need to do to be able to do that? But I think often and particularly early on, we think it's we think it's about the stuff, but it's not. It's about the space between us. And of course, we need some insight. Of course, we need some awareness. Of course, we need to do development because we need to make sure that we are really on the ball. But too much stuff and too many techniques and techniques that we finish off don't work so here's another story so this guy he's doing nlp you know that do you have that in the states neuro linguistics programming so i have been invited in to watch them the coach is coaching so he's coaching this woman he asks she has a dilemma he asks her a really good question and says shall we go and stand in the future or whatever it is so they go and stand in the future she's standing there And everybody who's watching, me and the observer, see this woman go, ka-ching, the light bulb goes on. You can see she's had this most amazing insight. He's not looking because he's working out what he needs to do next in this exercise. So the exercise then goes on for the next however many minutes, at the end of which she's lost it because her insight was like 15 minutes ago and she's bored with him now. Because he's dragged her around the room.
0: It's like going back to what's something you said before. There were three of them in that coaching session.
1: Completely.
0: The coach, the thinker, and the tool. And the tool seemed to have won.
1: Yeah. And the tool won over her greatness. The tool won over the, the thinker's insight and greatness. And that's such a shame because it was such an amazing piece of coaching, but he didn't need to finish it off.
2: Right. Yeah. I wouldn't have let the
0: tool go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and something to say for vulnerability. Don't remember where I heard that or where I read that, but somebody said that Vulnerability is the first is the first thing I'm looking in you, and the last thing I'm ready to give you. That's something for I think for every coach to remember, and kind of maybe incorporate in their approach to working with their clients with their thinkers. So, Claire, um, the book, the second edition, the kind of misspelled spine what's next for you
1: so um i've got a few other books up my sleeve but actually right now what i'm doing is developing coaches to be better so we run a coaching practicum which is an opportunity for training and experienced coaches to watch thinkers thinking So in the practicum, coaches do practice coaching, but they're only practicing coaching so that everybody else can watch the thinker thinking because that's where we do our absolute best learning. So it is my desire and my passion in life to just release coaches to do a whole lot less work, to spend a whole lot less money, and to just give people space To feel heard and get new insights into their own stuff and I think my big passion right now in a pandemic world and in a post pandemic world is that coaching is future focused and it's optimistic and don't we need that more than any other time in history. So my passion is to be part of that. Mm
0: So, and how do our listeners who want to partake in your passion and all those uh, great courses that you have, how can they contact you or get in touch?
1: So the website is www.3dcoaching.com. If you like words, spoken words, we have a podcast called The Coaching In. Uh, And the book is Simplifying Coaching, which is published by McGraw-Hill. And my name's Claire Pedrick, and I'm also on Twitter at 3DClaire.
0: And if you are looking for a book, make sure that the spine is still misspelled. (laughs) Indeed,
1: otherwise you're on edition three. (laughs) I like it, though. I like the misspelling.
0: Oh, that's perfect. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And we could absolutely go on for hours uh, talking about competencies and uh, your absolutely fantastic views and insights. Uh, Hopefully our listeners found them as fascinating as we did. So uh, we've been talking today with Claire Patrick, and she is a founder and managing partner at 3D Coaching. And uh, Sheree and Silas and I, Alex Klinniff, were your hosts, goodbye.
2: Bye.